Now, I'm going to start at the first of the book of John. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 1. And here's what I'm going to do. Over the next seven weeks, I'm gonna, I've picked out seven stories in the Gospel of John that have a sense of being awkward, all right? And uh, I'm going to start with this one where John, uh, we assume it is John and Andrew followed Jesus in John chapter 1. Then we're going to go to the wedding at Cana uh, next week and then work on through Nicodemus, the woman at the well. Eventually we'll get to the foot washing on Palm Sunday and then to Jesus confronting Peter on uh, Easter Sunday. Okay? So that'll take us all the way to John 21. Now let me ask you something. What are you doing between now and Easter in terms of your prayer life and reading Scripture? And if your answer is, well, I don't really have a plan, I want to suggest a plan to you right now, okay? This is a plan. Start tomorrow, read half of the first chapter of John. The next day, read the other half. And do so until Easter. And you will read the whole book of John. All right? And before you leave today, make sure you pick up the devotionals. There's a printed devotional for you that covers five days a week from now till Easter. It's out on the tables. We printed plenty. And that can be a devotional guide for you through the rest of uh, this season of Lent right on up to Easter. Okay? When you read the Gospel of John, in the first 12 chapters, there are seven mighty signs. So as you're reading through, I want you to make note of the mighty signs, okay? It's sometimes called the Book of Signs, these first 12 chapters. So as you're reading through, make note of the Book of the Mighty Signs that you see. 13 through 21 are sometimes called the Book of Glory. So... You may want to make some notes about why that would be called the book of glory. Another thing you can do as you read through John is pay attention to the I am's, all right? So every time Jesus says, I am, make a note of it in the margin. Now, I've got this actually marked in my Bible, okay? So you're going through the book of John. You're looking for mighty signs of Jesus. There are seven mighty signs in the first 12 chapters. You're looking for the I am sayings of Jesus. You're reading half a chapter every day till you get to the end. All right? I think this will bless your life. I think this is a good devotional guide if you haven't got one. And I hope that you'll do it. How long has it been since you read the Gospel of John? John is organized in a, in a very intentional way. It's organized differently than the other three Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to encounter the cleansing of the temple in the second chapter of this gospel. So it's right up there at the front. Everybody else has it at the end. John is working and weaving these stories together in a very purposeful way so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing you might have life in his name. And when he gets to the end of chapter 20, he says, Jesus did many mighty signs, too many to put in this book, but these are written. I selected these 
so that you might read them and believe. Now, in John chapter 1, starting with verse 20 or 35, we have this interesting account of the first two disciples who followed Jesus. So I'm in verse 35, John chapter 1. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon's, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, tell him, that we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, we could read a lot more. Awkward family photos. John the Baptist. If he was your cousin, would you be introducing him? I mean, the man's a little weird. He dresses weird, he acts weird, he, he eats weird. That's John. Every family, every individual has these awkward moments in their life. Sometimes my family says, please don't tell any more awkward moments on yourself. <laughs> well, I can't. I can't quit. I was brushing my teeth here recently. Do you want to hear this? And I looked at the toothbrush, and there is this toothpaste caked on the bottom of the bristles. So I take the toothbrush, and I beat it on the side of the sink. Kapow, kapow, kapow. And the thing starts buzzing in my hand. I thought, what in the world is this? thought maybe it was coming apart. It's when I realized this is an electric toothbrush. <laughs> I've been using it for a year. I thought it was designed by an orthopedist, you know, to help me... Avoid carpal tunnel or something. We had a fat handle. The family said, don't tell that story. I'm, it's going to be a while till I forget standing there realizing that was a, an electric toothbrush. Okay? A fella came to see me this week. Stuck his hands through a fence and uh, starts telling me stuff that's going on in his life. He's, he's an old friend. He told the story about him and his son quitting in the middle of the renovation of a 1955 Chevy pickup. He said, now I got this pickup. It's got this big old engine in it, and the pickup itself is just a rust bucket. And I'm just running around in this thing. Nobody knows I got all this power under the hood. He says, I head out in the pasture. It's just, it's a mess. They never got to the body, but they fixed the engine. He was a little embarrassed to tell me about it. You've got something about your family that embarrasses you when you talk about it. 
There's some things that have happened to you that are awkward too. And you share them and you're a little embarrassed. Well, think about John the Baptist. Talk about a man who was strange. It's John the Baptist. Now, let me clear up something. Baptists are not followers of John the Baptist. All right? So, we're not trying to be followers of John the Baptist as Baptists. Our name Baptist comes from how we baptize. And we baptize the way John baptized and the way Jesus and, or his disciples baptized. All right? But we're not followers of John the Baptist. We are definitely followers of Jesus. But you need to hear John's testimony. John is a great man. According to Jesus, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. Though in the kingdom, all are greater than he, is what he says. But he considered his cousin, John, a great man, even though he ate locusts. And dressed in camel's hair. And scared people with his preaching by the Jordan River. Now John's testimony, the Baptist testimony, is mentioned numerous times in this first chapter. It's one of the things you can pay attention to as you read the first chapter. John has a testimony that he shares. And it starts in the first verses of the chapter. And it goes on to where he talks about... His testimony being that he is not the Christ. He tells them clearly and he testifies to witnesses, I am not the Christ. But his testimony is mentioned again in verse 29. John's testimony is important. And this is John's testimony now. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hear John's testimony. He was sent by God to introduce Jesus to the world, to prepare the way for him, to make it straight. That's why he came. He was a voice crying in the wilderness, but he was a voice that was bearing witness to the one who was to come after him, who came before him, he said. And I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. In John's view, the one who was to come after him, the Lamb of God, was the one who would clean, cleanly sweep the threshing floor and take all the weed and put it in the barn and burn the chaff with, with unquenchable fire. He had this sense of the judgment of God coming with the, with the Messiah and introducing him as the Lamb of God. There are these pictures of the lamb who is the conquering one. Maybe you never thought of a lamb as a conquering one. But if you read John's book of Revelation, the evangelist John wrote Revelation. And there, there are numerous times where the lamb is seen as the one who conquers and who overcomes and leads his people. So when John says, behold the lamb, he's looking at the one who is going to thoroughly sweep the threshing floor, who's going to bring judgment and separate the chaff from the wheat. Hear John's testimony. This is the Lamb of God. Here's a man, here's a preacher without ego. He says, I must decrease. And he 
must increase. He introduces his followers to Jesus and encourages them to leave and go follow Jesus. He's a man who's not caught up in himself, but fully given to the one who will come after him. Now, Andrew and this unnamed disciple hear John's testimony, and they follow Jesus. That's how John puts it here. They follow Jesus. A lot of people think the unnamed testimony is John himself, John the evangelist, all right? And he follows Jesus along with Andrew. So here's what I would say to you. Hear John's testimony. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And follow Jesus. We are followers of Jesus here. That's who we are. When John uses the term follow, he uses it full of meaning. Four times in the first chapter, he will talk about following Jesus and people who follow Jesus. And seven more times in this gospel, he will talk about how people follow Jesus and disciples follow Jesus. And I want you to follow Jesus. Hear John's testimony as he points to Jesus and follow him. Now, it is an awkward moment when Andrew and this disciple peel off and start following Jesus. I mean, they haven't really been asked by Jesus to follow him. And so, there's a little bit of an awkwardness here as Jesus turns around and says, What do you want? But follow is about... All to thee I surrender. It's about saying I'm going to give my heart and soul and life to being yours and following you. And John takes this very seriously. In his first letter he says if we say that we know Jesus then we ought to walk as he walked. That's John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. If we say that we know him, we ought to walk as he walked. Now, Andrew's literally walking behind Jesus. The word walk is about, it's about your lifestyle. It's about who you are. It's about your relationships. It's about how you talk. It's about your priorities in life, what you really want to get done. Following Jesus is all about who you are and how you behave in the world. It's not easy to follow Jesus. John's credit. John picked up and followed Jesus from the moment he was introduced all the way to chapter 20 where we see him at the cross. So we're, we're going to see this man follow Jesus all the way to Calvary. And these others will follow Jesus eventually for the rest of their lives. The, the culture 
is going to challenge this idea that you should follow Jesus. What I'm saying to you right now, that you should pattern your life after Jesus, that you should follow his teachings, that you should seek to walk as he walked in his steps. The culture is going to challenge that over and over again. Because Jesus is going to say things like, if somebody strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. I mean, this is what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to love not only your neighbor, not only your brother. He wants you to love your enemy. Jesus is going to challenge us to love one another as I have loved you. That is, to follow in this journey of love. Jesus is going to have a lot to say about how we treat the poor. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was a stranger, and you took me in. And many of these things are counterintuitive and countercultural. And you may call yourself a follower of Jesus, but know in your heart, that you're cutting all kind of corners because really Jesus is radical and following him is not some snap easy thing to do it's in fact a lifetime of learning and sacrifice and understanding what he has called you to do and be so Andrew and the other disciple hear John's testimony they follow Jesus hope that you will do that. Now the first words that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John are a question. What do you want? It's a little bit awkward. What's up with you? Can I help you? I'm walking here along behind Jesus. He turns around and says, what do you want? Just like with the word, they followed Jesus. So this question is more than just an irritation or a confusion. Jesus knows more about what they're doing. He understands they are seeking to become his disciple. And so the first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John are, what do you want? I'd like you to hear this. I'd like you to hear these first words. What do you want? What do you want? You ought to settle on that. You ought to settle on it early. You ought to settle on it with certainty. You ought to let what you want, what do you really want? Need to settle on that so it can sharpen the focus of your life. Because if you don't have a good, clear answer to the question, what do you want? You will meander the rest of your life and have little impact. This is the question that needs answered. And sometimes it's hard to find the words. What do I want? I mean, what are you asking? I'm asking you, what do you want? What do you want out of life? 
What do you want at the deepest level of your heart and soul? What do you really, really want? Can you put it into words? I don't know that you can formulate those words right now. It may take you a day or longer to be able to write down what do I want. What do I want in life? What do I want more than anything else? But you need to be able to answer that question. And it's not going to be easy to be honest. What do you want, Jesus says to you? And he's looking for an honest answer from you. Because following him takes everything you've got. It is all in or not at all. It is everything that makes you, you. What do you want? Honestly, what do you want? And Andrew and this disciple answer, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. Here's what I would say. Hear the testimony of the Baptist. Okay? Follow Jesus. Decide what you want. And if it is really Jesus who is the heart and soul of your yearning, then stay with him. When I was a teenager, I sat on my bed, got my guitar, and I wrote this song. I want my life to count for Jesus. It's the title of an album that my brothers and I made, and it sits in a cabinet in my office. I'd, I wasn't writing it out of this question, what do you want? I was just trying to give my heart as a 16-year-old to Jesus. I wrote this thing, I want my life to count for Jesus. That was a long time ago. But I reflected on it this week as I asked the question again, Crosby, what do you want? And it's still good. It's still good for me. I want my life to count for Jesus. 50 years later nearly, it still distills into a sentence the calling God placed in my life even as a boy. So they stayed with Jesus. Not everybody stays with Jesus, you know. There are people who make a visit to Jesus and then they leave. There are folks who think they want to stay with Jesus, but when they find out what it costs them, they don't want it anymore. There are people who learn the demands of Jesus and say, that's too hard. I can't do that. I've had people tell me that. I can't do that. I can't do it. Are you going to stay with Jesus till you're old? 
You're going to stay with Jesus no matter what storm comes your way? Are you going to stay with Jesus when your faith is tested? When the ways we sang about come into your life? When sorrow and trouble and bereavement and loss happen to you? When you get the unbelievable diagnosis, are you going to stay with Jesus? Are you going to stay with Jesus when when life burns down around you? Some of you are in the middle of that right now and you're wondering what you're going to do. Are you going to stay with Jesus when you go to college, young people? Are you planning for that to be a hiatus, you know? Where you stay with Jesus in the youth group, but as you get to college, man, all the rules go out the window. It happens. People don't stay with Jesus. I think John, again, is helping us understand what discipleship is all about. It's not about you staying with Jesus for a day or a week. It's about you deciding what you really want. And if following Jesus is what you really want, if you want him and he is the priceless treasure and you sell everything so you can have this one thing, then you stay with him. All the days of your life as the years go by and the seasons change, you stay with him because this is life. There was a time when a lot of disciples left Jesus. They said it's too hard. And Jesus turned to Andrew and John and Peter and said to them, will you also go away? Some of you have seen the folks going away. And you've made note of it. People you thought would always be faithful, but they went away. I'm going to ask you that question. Will you also go away? You going to go away? Have you really decided what you want? Is Jesus the focus? Or is following Jesus worth it all? Will you give him every breath, every heartbeat, every year, every season, till he takes you home? I don't know what was going on in the mind of Nicholas Cruz this week. I can't imagine why a 19-year-old would take an AR-15 to school where he'd been a student and open up on people, children. I can't imagine why he'd want to kill eight teenage girls and six teenage boys and three coaches and leave 14 maimed and two in very critical condition even as we meet today. I can't imagine what went on in his mind. His lawyer says he's a broken man. You know what he is now? He's an animal in a cage. They're going to stick him in a cage and he's going to live in that cage the rest of his life, as a 19-year-old, he's confessed to the murder of 17 people. And he's going to live in a cage, 6 by 10. And he's got his moment of fame 
And in a month or a year when you say Nicholas Cruz, there'll be no recognition of who he is. I read about him in the paper this morning and I thought, what happened to this young man? Then I flipped over and Parade Magazine has Jimmy Carter on the front of it. Do you know he was 93 years old? You know, he, is the, he has now had the longest ex-presidency in the history of the republic. You know, I knelt down with him on a porch in the upper ninth ward. And he and Rosalind and me were on our knees nailing boards on that porch. And they asked him, what's going on with you? And he says, I'm waging peace in the world. He doesn't do it perfectly. He doesn't do it like everybody wants him to. But that's what he's trying to do. And you know what else he said? I'm trying to emulate Jesus. Now you may like him or hate him. But I'll tell you one thing. Next Sunday, he's going to go to church in Little Plains, Georgia. Don't take his Bible. He'll probably be teaching a lesson if he's not somewhere else in the world. There's a 19-year-old who will live in a cage the rest of his life. And here's a 93-year-old who works for peace and freedom and wants to leave the world a better place. What do you want? Where will you stay? Find your heart. Follow Jesus. Give it all. Till he calls you home. Bow with me, please. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray that you will help us know what we want. Clarify it for every heart and mind in this room that we will really know what we want. Lord, I pray for people who are wavering right now because they're not sure they want to stay. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit that you will draw them to yourself in this time of confusion, uncertainty, difficulty, and loss when pain has gripped them and their hearts are torn. God, that you will help them see that staying with you is the only choice. That Peter was right. There is no other place to go. Lord, I pray that you will help us be lifelong followers, fully committed to Jesus as Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.
we always have a time of response. Your opportunity to come saying, I want to follow Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made a mess. But I want to follow Jesus. That's my heart. Is that what you want? Why not come in just a minute? Just step out and say, here I come just like I am. And I want to follow Jesus. Maybe you need a church home or maybe you need to be baptized. We're going to do that Easter Sunday. Why not you join with others in being baptized, publicly identifying with Jesus? Let's stand together. Let's sing together. You come as we sing. that song reflect your heart Lord I've decided I'm going to follow you no turning back you can respond to this message on that tab in your worship guide just check there I want a pastor to call put it in the plate in just a minute we'll be happy to talk with you about what God's doing in your life about the message you heard today about next steps for you spiritually All right, Frank Cannon lead us in our prayer Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are here to praise and glorify your name, to thank you for love, for life, for family, for friends, for fellowship. Father, our world, our city, our country, our whole world is filled with violence and man's inhumanity to man. We pray that we will learn the most basic of Jesus' message that we simply love one another, that we learn to love our enemies. Father, today we humbly bring you gifts and offering and thanks for your love, for your grace, and for your salvation, that we might use these gifts to go forth and to do your work. Through Jesus' name we pray.
Thanks again for joining us today. Before you go, here's what's happening at FBNO. Are you not in a Sunday morning small group or just looking for an additional opportunity to grow? We have some great classes coming up just for you. Starting this Wednesday night at 6 p.m., Counter Culture, where we will look at issues like traditional marriage versus gay marriage, pro-life versus pro-choice, personal freedom versus governmental protection. How are we supposed to respond to all this as Christians? Join us as we examine how to be counter-culture. And starting next Sunday morning, February 25th at 8.15 a.m., we're going to be looking at When Helping Hurts. This is a study that looks at the effects of poverty and the broken relationships with God, self, others, and creation that are at the root of poverty. Come and join the discussion as we look at how to better serve the poor in our city and around the world. Also starting next Sunday at 8.15 is The Good Work of Prayer, a three-week class for anyone who is looking to grow in their prayer life. If you have questions about these or other small groups and discipleship classes, stop by the table in the lobby. We're going back to Zimbabwe this summer to work with Brett and Allison Barnhill, and we'd love for you to go with us. Anyone is invited to be a part of this trip, but we're also looking for doctors, nurses, and dentists specifically to use their skills doing medical missions in Zimbabwe. We'll be leaving June 21st and re returning July 4th. Last year was amazing, and I know this year will be too. If you're interested, please send me an email at andrew at fbno.org. Do you ever wonder who it is that equips the people who are equipping the church? Our leaders are under construction just as much as the people who sit in their classes each week. That's why we're offering a church-wide training this Saturday. If you lead in the church through small groups, missions, music, or anything else, we have classes designed specifically for you, whether you work with preschoolers, children, youth, young adults, or senior adults. Anyone who is interested in learning to lead well is invited to this training from 8 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Sign up on the tab or by emailing fay.scott at fbno.org. So we want you to sign up for those. We also have small groups happening right now at this hour, and we would love for you to be a part of that. If you don't already have a small group that you're connected to, you can stop by our welcome desk, and we can help you get connected to one. We also have a new class that our pastor's starting this morning. You want to tell us a little bit about it? I do. What I'm going to do is a message remix where we talk about what you just heard. We're going to do it in the choir. We'll start at 11 o'clock anybody's invited to come on in okay so it's in the choir room uh and we'll start at 11 the message remix so come join us we'll see y'all next week y'all tell somebody about jesus as you go